and welcome to the latest episode in our Herbert Smith Three Hills Public M&A podcast series. My name's Antonia Kirkby and I'm joined today by Robert Moore. Today we thought we'd talk about the latest situation where we've seen shareholders influence the outcome of an M&A transaction. It's always been the case that shareholders have the ultimate say in whether a transaction goes through. But until recent years, if a target board recommended a transaction, it was pretty much seen as a done deal. But we're seeing more and more transactions now where shareholders just aren't following the board's recommendation or are seeking in various ways to change the course of a transaction, for example, by seeking a higher offer price or by challenging the transaction in court at the scheme sanction hearing. So we've discussed these situations in a couple of previous episodes, but the reason we wanted to come back to it again this week is the recent case of the proposed takeover of Spire by Ramsey. Bob, do you just want to talk through what happened? Sure. Thanks, Antonio. So this transaction attracted interest from the outset, to be fair, I mean, very shortly after after announcement, um, not least because some some shareholders were instantly vocal in, in their opposition to the proposed transaction and saying that it materially undervalued the business. Notwithstanding this, the board recommended and, and, and continued to recommend the offer. Uh, the bidder then increased its offer by a relatively small amount, presumably in reaction to to the shareholder opposition, and stated that that increased offer and increased price w- would then be final. Uh, the consequences of that under the takeover code mean that uh, it was not permitted to increase that bid any further. This is a a, a common tactic used by bidders to effectively prevent the practice of bumpetrage. That is the practice that, that has arisen in recent years whereby hedge or, or, or ARP funds um, seek to buy in or increase their stake after a takeover is announced with the intention of holding out until the bidder increases the offer price uh, to secure their, their support. A key shareholder here, Tosca Fund, which had a 5% stake, continued to say, however, notwithstanding this increase, that that, um, the price undervalued the company and as a result, it would vote against it. Um, However, Spire's largest shareholder, MediClinic, who had previously made made a possible offer a few years ago and in which had an almost 30% stake, said that it would support the takeover. Now, the, the bidder and the target clearly thought and expected the shareholder vote to be tight. Obviously, you get indications of voting and proxies as they come in during the, the, the period after posting the circuit and before the meeting. And indeed, that the shareholder meetings were adjourned by a week, which, which is pretty unusual. Uh, and it was stated to be adjourned to allow all SPAR shareholders a proper opportunity to fully consider the increased final offer. Uh, we also saw, which again is even more unusual, Target Board write a public letter of rebuttal to a recommendation given by the proxy advisors Glass Lewis that shareholders should vote against the transaction. But the meetings went ahead last week and the transaction was voted down by shareholders. Pretty tight, actually, um, in, in, in the end. The total votes in favour of the resolutions were just below 70% at the general meeting. 
and 72% at the court meeting of those present in person or, or, or by proxy and who voted. Yeah, and for a scheme to be approved, they have to get a majority in number, but for 75% in value, they must vote in favour. And as you say, it's of those present and voting, So, and they got 72, so it is pretty close, as you said. But it's really unusual, isn't it, for a deal to be voted down in this way? I think the only couple of other transactions I can think where it's happened were Revolution Bars and Gold Soccer Centres. But in those cases, there were competing possible offers around. So perhaps a bit more understandable. But I can't think of any situation like this where the transactions have been voted down outright without another sort of offer in the vicinity. Yeah, nor, nor can I. And, and also not something uh, that is... Pretty substantial. You know, we have main market listed company. There was an offer in excess of a, a, a billion pounds. So very high profile and pretty embarrassing for all concerned. And yeah, I mean, what was particularly unusual is that the company went ahead with the shareholder meetings. The you know, as we said, the bidder and the target usually have a fairly good indication ahead of the meetings as to which way the vote will go pretty rare for somebody to turn up on the day and, and, and vote a block um, so significant as, as to move the dial. And so, you know, often if it's looking like there is a risk of the transaction not being approved, uh, the board may decide to switch to a contractual takeover offer instead, which has a lower acceptance condition of, say, 50% um, of, of all shares. We saw this this approach um, used on the Cas Minerals bid earlier this year, where a number of shareholders went public in saying that the offer price was not high enough. In that case, um, the bidder did switch from a scheme to an offer. Interestingly, the bidder didn't actually lower the acceptance condition threshold there, but that was because the bidder already had a um, 39% stake in the target. And the key point there being that, that on scheme, um, that stake would not count towards the approval threshold as, as shares held by a bidder as a uh, bidder are treated as being in, in in a separate class for a scheme. On an offer, however, that 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 stake and no those shares held does count towards the acceptance condition. Yeah, when we discuss these situations, we often say, and it's really important that shareholders understand if they're looking to sort of challenge a transaction in any way they need to consider really carefully about whether they're happy to see the offer fail altogether. And we've seen, you mentioned here that they said the, the price was final. And as you said, that means that the bidder's then unable to increase the price under the rules of the takeover code. And so bidders have been using that as a tactic, I think, to signal to target shareholders that here's, here's the final offer price. They kind of box themselves into a corner, but intentionally, so that target shareholders know that whatever they do, they can't see a further increase in the offer price. So the bidder is effectively saying to target shareholders, you either accept this price or the bid will fail altogether. And so this is quite interesting where it's almost like the target shareholders have called the bidders bluff and it's actually sending a warning shot across the bows of bidders and saying, well, actually, shareholders are willing to see the bid fail if they don't feel the price is good enough. And so it's just quite an interesting development, I think, along those lines that that, that tactic that we've seen bidders develop in the last couple of years has now kind of been reversed back on them. Yeah. And, you know, going out with a final offer that was a premium to the undisturbed share price. As a shareholder, you really have to be happy that the share price returns back to that level 
you know, you don't you, you don't make that gain at that point, which is why, as Antonio says, usually it's a bluff that bidders can can call quite easily. I suppose it's also worth saying that this is all part of a trend of shareholder activism that we've seen in recent years with shareholders, often short-term holders, or, or as we said, with hedge funds, our funds, or ones who have increased their stake during the takeover, seeking to challenge takeovers by scheme through the courts. And so th this is obviously a scheme failing at the vote rather than being challenged later at the, the courts. But again, it is a it is a scheme of arrangement failing. Recent examples whereby shareholders have uh, seek to challenge the vote going through for uh, various reasons, whether it be that votes have not been uh, properly counted or that the information provided to shareholders to enable them to vote was inadequate or insufficient such that the vote shouldn't stand. So recent recent examples of, of those include Dee Valley, Afia in Marsat and William Hill. And we really are starting to see a trend over the last few years of shareholders more willing to go to court to challenge. Yeah, you're right. And I think we've discussed a lot of those in, in sort of previous episodes, and I'm sure it's only going to be something we see more of. So all interesting times. And yeah, I have a feeling this is a topic we're going to keep coming back to each time we do one, we think that's it. And then, you know, a matter of months later, we come back to it again, because there's another interesting example. And particularly the way the public M&A markets are right now, you know, they're so busy, and we're seeing so many transactions. That, um, I think, yeah, we'll carry on seeing this theme. Thank you, Bob, for joining me today. And thank you to you to our listeners. We really welcome uh, any feedback or thoughts you have on this episode or our other public m podcasts or topics you'd like to see in future episodes. But we look forward to you joining us on our next one when we reappear after the summer. Thanks very much. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.